mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. There's a buzzword that's been flying around more and more, more and more intensity since COVID began more than two years ago. Is it more than two or just about two? About two. About two. two. It's a dangerous word, a word that immediately makes people turn from what they're thinking, even if what they were thinking was a reasonable thought. Reject it and actively denounce it and even apologize for participating in it. It's a word that can turn respectable people into pariahs at a moment's notice and will cause others to shun people guilty of this word for fear of being duped by some conspiracy theory or simply being thought of as unintelligent, someone who doesn't follow the data, who isn't listening to the science. It's the M word. You've heard of the F word? All the other bad words? Well, there's a new dirty word, the M word. What is the M word? Misinformation. It's much like disinformation, but there's already a D word, so misinformation. Perhaps you've heard about the recent controversy Neil Young stirred up when he demanded Spotify drop Joe Rogan's podcast, their, their flagship podcast, their main podcast, or else he would pull his music from their platform. The accusation is that Joe Rogan was spreading dangerous misinformation to his listeners. And the Biden administration, in wake of that, pleaded with tech companies and television networks to do more to suppress the flow of what they call misinformation. We're hearing this word more and more and more. It's a scary thing that's happening in America. The author of actually our book club's next read, Rod Dreher, discusses the topic of misinformation as he interviews people who lived through Soviet persecution, oppression, people who questioned the approved narrative, the party line, Christians who decided to live not by lies. You see the insert there about the book in your bulletin. But we'll save the conversation on authoritarianism for the the book club in a month, okay? Read it, take a look at it, think about what you want to think about, and uh, bring that conversation to to the group. It's great. Today, we're going to focus on another yet similar M word. There's two M words. The church has long been familiar with this other one, and instead of being canceled by association with it, we've faced it head on for 2,000 years and we've prevailed. Not with empty rhetoric, but with true data supplied by God, true science. You ever think of the word omniscience, omni-science? Does it mean all knowing? Science is the word for knowledge. So we have countered this claim with this other M word with true science. It's myth. From our first verse in our epistle reading. It's very similar to misinformation, and so in a very real way, we are intimately familiar with the censorship in our society today, the rise of it. We've often been accused of disseminating misinformation, peddling myths 
to the world around us, wherever we've gone throughout the world, we've been accused of this. As you heard in his second letter, Peter refutes the claim that he's guilty of spreading a myth. Influencers of his day were trying to undermine the reasonable claim of Christians because we wouldn't toe the party line and or because these power-hungry profiteers were out for self-gain. So soon after Peter wrote his letter, unfortunately, he would be canceled for good in the eyes of the world anyway. Little did his naysaying contemporaries know Peter's writings would be among best-selling works of all human history as they were collected into the canon of Scripture and spread out throughout the world, talking about his letters. Nonetheless, he and his colleague Paul, who also wrote a great deal of the Bible, were martyred in Rome under Nero's persecution of the church. Extreme cancel culture. Peter testified, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So that was the accusation. Christians were following cleverly devised myths, misinformation. Myths is a direct transliteration of the Greek mythoin. It means story, fable, legends, fictions, fairy tales. And this is what we've always been accused of believing. Jesus is a fairy tale. That's what they say. Especially in our post-enlightenment age. Our age of reason, they say. The assertion is that believing in the crucifixion and the subsequent resurrection of Christ, that he actually died and then on the third day conquered death by getting up, that that, that assertion is unreasonable. That's what they say. Now, believing Jesus did miracles recorded in the Gospels is to believe in pure fiction, they say. Now, the irony here, especially today in our culture, the irony is that the same people who denounce the transfiguration of Christ and all the other miracles that he did believe in transgenderism and transracialism and all kinds of other heresies and false lies and myths and misinformation. Now, I'm all for living the hashtag trans life. I am. But I'm going with Christ's trans life a transfigured life, a transcendent life, a life transformed by the Holy Spirit through the waters of holy baptism, just as we saw with Korah this morning. I'm living that kind of life. And by the preaching of the truth and by the reception of the Lord's blessed Eucharist, being in communion with the transcendent, So they say Jesus is a fairy tale, a myth, just a monotheistic, that's for you, bub, monotheistic version of Zeus or Hercules. Fun stuff for Rick Riordan to include in his Percy Jackson novels. Okay, let them reveal their incompetence. Their view is actually the mythical one, unfounded and full of misinformation that's been refuted time and time again. I love being the champion 
You know how Mike Tyson must feel, or whoever the new heavyweight is. I, I date myself. Mike Tyson was awesome when I was a kid. I played the video game all the time. I know how he feels being the champion of the world. Undisputed champion. Because Christians are undisputed champions. Every critic and naysayer has come at us from every angle since the beginning. And we just take the punches and we dish back the data and the rest is history. Right? C.S. Lewis said, C.S. Lewis, if you don't know, was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, lots of classic great books. He says, all I am is a literary critic and historian. That's my job, he says. And I'm prepared to say on that basis, if anyone thinks the Gospels are either legends or novels, then that person is simply showing his incompetence as a literary critic. I've read a great many novels, he says, and I know a fair amount about the legends that grew up among early peoples. And I know perfectly well the Gospels are not that kind of stuff. Now, Lewis is being extremely humble here. Lewis held the chair of medieval and Renaissance literature at Cambridge University. He was an Oxford don. This guy was the top of his game. And he was an apologist for the Christian church. He knew a lot about myths. He himself had once believed the gospel of Jesus Christ was a fairy tale. He was an atheist. But his honest investigation of the gospels revealed that they were actually reasonable accounts recorded by eyewitnesses that they were testable, verifiable. The apostles and evangelists, Peter among them from our our epistle today, went to great lengths to include people, places, and events in their writings so that their hearers could validate it. Is this true? What are they saying? I know where Jerusalem's at. I know that guy, Paul. I heard about that resurrection of Jesus. My second cousin saw it. They knew this kind of stuff. They were writing to a contemporary audience. Don't let 2,000 years of our, our distance confuse you. When these New York Times bestsellers hit the press, people had been there and done that and had the t-shirt. They knew. And they could call misinformation at the drop of a hat if it would, would have been in there. Now, this fact hits hard when we remember who the original hearers of Peter's epistle was and the Gospels people who knew these places and these people. Jesus made sure hundreds of people saw him after he was resurrected. The teachings of Christianity were originally taught to people who were there. So when, as Peter says, false prophets also arose among the people, liars who were secretly bringing in destructive heresies, this is chapter two of his, of his epistle, even denying the master who bought them, Jesus, exploiting people with their false words, and when they accused him of disseminating misinformation, myths, he pointed his hearers to the source of his teaching, his credibility, to the fact that he was an eyewitness to Christ's ministry. That's why the Lord called his apostles, so they would be eyewitnesses. That's why it was important that when they replaced Judas, they replaced him with someone who had been there the entire time, so that he was an eyewitness to the whole thing. For we, the apostles of Christ, did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, 
And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him, Christ, on the holy mountain. Matthew's historic record, the gospel we heard today, includes the Lord's transfiguration. That's what the reading was, right? Peter says he was there. I was one of the guys on that mountain. I can verify it happened. So when the influencers tried to lead people away from following Peter and the apostles who were following Christ by labeling what he said with the M word, myth, misinformation, he reminded them of his credentials saying, don't believe me because of what I'm saying. Believe me because I'm able to say it. I can say it because I was there. Check the facts for yourself. See, biblical Christianity is wonderful. We are always holding up the Bible as a target. Here you go. Have at it. Poke a hole if you can. Because if you do, I'll be the first to go with you. Because I know you can't. It's been tried. It's been tested. Nobody can defeat the champion of the world. Scripture. It's the same reason. Same reason Moses had a face that shined after he spoke to God. It was validation that he had been there and spoke to the man himself And had evidence of it. Moses' face shining. If you're like, what? That's weird. Why is is his face glowing? I don't remember that part about Moses. Well, it's because he probably only had the Sunday school version. And he only learned about Moses being a little basket floating down the Nile. Right? He comes down in in church history, in church art. It's amazing. They actually draw Moses. There's sculptures of Moses with horns. When you first look at him from the American perspective, you're like, oh, that's demonic. He looks like a, a devil. They were, they, they were the artist's way of trying to, to capture rays of light coming off his face. And in the Hebrew, it talks about horns of light. And so you'll find some Renaissance art, some old medieval art, where he literally has horns coming off his head. It looks weird. It's peculiar. But it's meant to represent the rays of light coming off of his face. It's the same thing of why your doctor has his degree on a frame behind his desk. So when you are in his office... You're like, oh yeah, he did actually go to the school for this. He does know this. That's why, you know, Carl is a chiropractor. I'd like to see your certificate next time, sir. Thank you. <laughs> so that we can trust him. So we know, right, that he's, a, he's not a quack. That's why Moses' face is shining. And this is why before Coral was baptized, I read from Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and 1 Peter 3. Because what we believe and what we do because of what we believe comes directly from God. None of this is Pastor Bramwell's stuff. None of this is Lutheran stuff. It's God's stuff. It's Christian stuff. We don't believe in myths. We believe in what's verifiable and trustworthy, the word of God. This is why Korah was baptized, because she believes. And God's word says that if you believe and are baptized, you're saved. She, was belie- she believes and she was baptized. So Korah is saved. That is awesome. Can I just get everybody just to like slap your hands one time? Or so? Get some energy because, that, all right, thank you. This, this, is, this is the most amazing thing in the world. I love stomping on the devil's head. That's what we did here today. And Korah's old Adam. We all put our boots on Korah's sinner, and we said, you stay down in those waters. Korah's coming out of them, and she's living forever. 
Friends, we're living in a dangerous time. And we gotta, we got to really dwell on this good news, these good things, right? Words are under attack. And we are the people of the word, right? If words can come under attack, we are under attack. What does John 1 say? In the beginning was the word, which was the light. Yeah, you jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he is the light that breaks the darkness. The word. Take this thought home with you. We are under attack as believers in the word. Many in our world see the gospel of Jesus Christ as a myth, as misinformation. Just something that country bumpkins out there in northern rural California, what they believe. Well, it is true. We do believe it out here in northern rural California. They also believed it in academic London. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live and what your education is. You can believe this. It's logical. The world considers the word we believe and trust in that leads to baptism, new birth, and all the wonderful things we have. The world believes that it's misinformation. The world's wrong. Our faith is based on reasonable evidence and bulletproof eyewitness testimony that stands up under cross-examination in any honorable court of law. Jesus Christ died for you, my friends, for each and every one of you. And he has been resurrected from the grave for you as well so that you would be raised from the dead on the last day. Peter, James, and John were eyewitnesses to that historic event just as they were eyewitnesses to Christ's transfiguration. And many more people were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. The multitude of miracles that Jesus performed to prove he is whom he says he is, the very Son of God, your Savior. That's why we put our trust in him. He proved it. He put his money where his mouth was, so to speak. Is it controversial? Absolutely. Scripture makes that very clear. But Christianity is not a myth or based on misinformation. The Christian faith has withstood that claim for 2,000 years. So who knows what's going to happen with Joe Rogan. He might cave to cancel culture and apologize. He might not be able to withstand the ongoing pressure. But you will. We know you will be able to withstand it and resist it. Because that's what your people have been doing for two millennia. For we have the truth confirmed by the eyewitnesses and more fully confirmed by the prophetic word, Peter says. The word that is not a buzzword. The word that is God's word. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.